You're listening to Ethical Witness Preparation, a powerful witness preparation podcast miniseries from Holland and Knight attorney Dan Small. Dan is an experienced litigation attorney who has written books, published articles, and given talks around the United States on the ins and outs of witness preparation. In this five-part series, he addresses the main ethical issues that arise during witness preparation and explains how lawyers can successfully navigate these issues while setting their witnesses up for success. In the last few episodes of this Ethical Witness Podcast miniseries, we've looked at the ethics of witness preparation from the extreme case, the witness who lies or plans to do so. The tug of war between our ethical obligations to represent our clients zealously and protect the integrity of the justice system is no less challenging when we move away from the extreme. Where is the line between preparation and improper coaching, and how can we find it? The first step is to understand what the witness expects to hear. In a previous podcast series, I talked about the perception gap. As Paul Simon sang it, a man hears what he wants to hear and disregards the rest. You cannot pretend that your witness is a blank slate that you can write on easily. Your witness did not get their perceptions of lawyers from you. They got it from TV and movies, where sleaze is what sells. If your witness expects that you want them to lie, everything that you say or don't say will be heard through that lens. You are the one who has to listen for and correct that distortion. The witness must first understand that you're seeking the truth. You have to tell it to them early and often. You have to ask it of them early and often. Of course, it's not that easy. Our adversarial system is constructed on the premise that the fact finder discovers the truth best through hearing each side's advocacy of their version. Justice Berger said in Getters v. U.S., an attorney must respect the important distinction between discussing the testimony and seeking to improperly influence it. The challenge, of course, is to find that distinction. Yes, it would be easier if we could stay as far away from that line as possible, but we can't. Our role and our obligation doesn't let us off that easily. We must be zealous advocates. How do we develop a framework within which to consider the limits on preparation? Let me suggest one from another world. A relative of mine is a successful author. She creates wonderful works of fiction that get translated into other languages for readers around the world. Knowing little about languages, I assumed that translating was a mechanical process. After all, you can go online and instantly get words or phrases translated into a long list of languages. But when the material is more complex and more subtle, like a work of fiction, the translator's task is very different. The translator is not creating new material like the author. Instead, they're taking that material and making it understandable in another language. My relative receives a steady stream of correspondence from translators around the world. Some of it's quite funny, asking for help. After all, how do you say hell's bells in Japanese? The essential creation remains the same, but translating it may require suggesting new phrases where comparable ones don't exist or new colloquialisms where the original would not be comprehensible. After observing this process, it struck me that there are meaningful parallels to witness preparation. The witness is the author, the creator of the material. It's their reality, their truth. 
the lawyer is the translator, helping the witness to communicate that truth, that material, in a strange language, a strange rhythm, and a strange environment. The lawyer doesn't create new material. The lawyer makes the witness's creation understandable in a different way. Thus, the lawyer is permitted to prepare the witness to provide truthful testimony that's favorable to the client as long as the lawyer doesn't encourage the witness to create a different truth. The restatement of the law governing lawyers lists different forms of appropriate preparation, including discussing the role of the witness and effective courtroom demeanor, discussing the witness's recollection and probable testimony, revealing to the witness other testimony or evidence that will be presented and asking the witness to reconsider his or her recollection in that light, discussing the applicability of law to the events at issue, reviewing the factual context into which the witness's observations or opinions will fit, reviewing documents or other physical evidence that may be introduced, and discussing probable lines of hostile cross-examination that the witness should be prepared to meet, and maybe most important, practicing the witness's testimony and suggesting choice of words. The key is to emphasize to the witness right from the start the importance of telling the truth. All ethical rules on this topic are based on that simple concept. The witness needs to understand clearly and unequivocally that counsel is seeking the truth, no more and no less. With that foundation, effective witness preparation can and must go forward. As another author put it, it's probably unethical to fail to prepare a witness, and it is undoubtedly cruel to subject anyone to cross-examination without preparation. But no one said this was going to be easy. Thank you for listening to Ethical Witness Preparation, a podcast series brought to you by Holland and Knight attorney Dan Small. To learn about Dan and his practice, please visit hklaw.com forward slash Daniel dash small.